Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. I appreciate it. We are looking at Matthew's gospel, and we're doing so because Matthew refers so often to the Old Testament. We're looking at um, why the wise men, in this particular instance, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament because um, Matthew uses it so often. And so he, he tells us here about the wise men who came from the east seeking the child who, uh, whose sign they had seen that heralded the coming of the king, the king of Israel. Herod's concerned about it. The, the people, the Jews actually in Jerusalem are concerned as well. And they tell him that he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and in doing so, they quote from Micah 5, 2, You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you came shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. <clears throat> so that's Micah 5, 2, and so they know where Messiah is going to come, where he'll be born, because he's going to be born in the city of David, his ancestor. And then also, now we got these wise men who came in in response to a sign that they saw in the heavens. And so here they are, they're, they've shown up here, and who are they? And my argument is, is that if you study the book of Daniel, you'll know who they are. They're the descendants of the Chaldeans. Uh, when the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire, the, these Chaldeans were mingled in with this other larger group called the Magi, and, and Daniel would have been one of them. Daniel stayed, remained behind in, in Babylon. It's an interesting thing. Both he and Jonah were buried in Babylon. Now, the Babylonians had great pride in their gods, but here, what's happened so far in, in the story of Daniel, we have seen Daniel able to not only interpret the king's dream, but also to have actually been able to tell him what the dream was. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 3, what we saw was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were three of Daniel's companions who, who were exiled from Jerusalem, to or Judah at least, from, to Babylon that, that had been raised up, these young men have, and, and they refuse to uh, worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so the punishment was to be thrown into the fire furnace. They were, they survived. He gave, he, Nebuchadnezzar, gave thanks to their God. And then he goes in chapter four, begins with Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders the Most High God has done for me. He's speaking here about Yahweh. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His king is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. So <clears throat> that, that's the beginning of chapter 4, and then it all goes weird, to say the least. So he has another dream. He, he's as I lay in bed. Uh, the fancies and visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. So this one's going to be different in that he's going to tell them the dream. It's the same people. He brings the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the magicians, and the enchanters. They came in. He, they, wouldn't, they couldn't make known to me its interpretation. Now the question then becomes, was it that they couldn't or that they wouldn't? You're going to see why I might suggest that in a minute. So at last, finally, in other words, Daniel came in before me, who, who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, plural. So Belteshazzar is Daniel's name there. Daniel means God is my judge. Belteshazzar means Bel is protector of my life. Bel is, is another way of saying Baal. 
Uh, also, Marduk had been before that, and so they're all similar kinds of things. And so, so he is named, Daniel is, in order to forget his own God, who, whose name he carries, El, Daniel, uh, God is my judge. He, he is he's given a new Babylonian name after the Babylonian god, Bel. So he comes in, and, and, and this, this is what uh, has been done to him by King Nebuchadnezzar, and he told him the dreams. But he begins by saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, do you hear that? He's the main guy now, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Daniel's already said, this is not about me. It's about God. He's the revealer of mysteries, but, but he seems to have forgotten that. Nebuchadnezzar does. It's not too difficult for you, so tell me the vision of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions in my head as I lay in my bed with these, I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew, became strong. Its top reached to heaven. It was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So it's this it's a remarkable tree that that is, it becomes strong its top reached to heaven visible to the end of the whole earth and then it provides food for all the beasts the birds everything I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in my bed and behold a watcher now watcher is a word that you don't find very often you don't find it often at all in fact it, unless you read the book of Enoch Daniel's the only place in Scripture where you see this. Watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. There's an angel. It's one of the sons of God. He proclaimed aloud and said, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it, the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High God rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. So this is a decree of the watchers. It's not, it's not said that it's a decree of God. The watchers are the ones dispensing this punishment. But it's in order that all may know who is indeed king of kings. And that would be the most high. And so and, and Nebuchadnezzar has it. He's a vassal king himself under the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he'll set it over, set the kingdoms over the lowliest of men. In other words, you don't have to be somebody big and important to have this job. And it doesn't make you important to have that job. Since this dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. He keeps pointing to this multiple gods. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. His thoughts alarmed him because he knew. He knew the interpretation, and he, he, he had to decide, am I going to give this thing? So the king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. He saw it. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, I, I wish it were some other way. I wish it were that. I mean, he is, he is being a good subject here. The tree you saw 
which grew and became strong so that its top reached the heaven, visible to the end of the whole earth. Leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, in whose in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven live. It's you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the ends of the earth, to, to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, the holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It's a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from your men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You'll be made to eat grass like an ox, and you'll be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. In other words, you've got, yes, your fame and renown are great. However, you have gotten too big for your britches. You have forgotten that you received this kingdom from God. You've forgotten all about that. And he says, so, so you're going to have to be reminded. And the only way to do that is, is for you to be brought low. Way too often in our lives it's the case that we have to be brought low like that before we can become truly of use in the kingdom because we become arrogant and proud. And we believe that, that we have something special about us, that, that God's lifted us into this place. I've seen it happen too many times. I've just seen guys who, who flame out because they forgot that it wasn't about them, that it was about God. He said... He says it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed from you from the time you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. So in other words, he's calling him to repent. It's a dangerous thing to call the king to repent, especially a king like Nebuchadnezzar, whose power was indeed incredibly great. And yet Daniel does it because Daniel serves a higher power, and that would be the Most High God. So all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. So in the beginning, what we get is Nebuchadnezzar narrating this thing. <clears throat> He's narrating the 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 uh, the story, and then all of a sudden you get this, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, so a year from then, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Did you hear that? It's all about him. He's done it. No, Daniel told you exactly where it came from. And I guess maybe now that a year has passed, he's not concerned about it anymore. He's not thinking that anymore. He's thinking, well, that was just this thing that happened. I just had this dream, but it, it didn't come true. But while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you'll be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. In other words, the dream was indeed prophetic. It awaited the proper time for you to sort of see the fullness of your sin in your arrogance and your braggadocio 
about how you got this kingdom, in spite of the fact you've been told and shown again and again that the Most High God gave it to you. And so immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Sort of like um, Howard Hughes back in the day, if you're my age. If you're not, then look up Howard Hughes and see how he died. At the end, and now we're back to Nebuchadnezzar narrating the story. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. So he's recognizing that he's the Most High God, and he is lifting his eyes to heaven where God lives, and he praised and honored the one who lives forever. So he is recognizing the eternality of God and the power of God. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Unlike his, this God lives forever. I don't. I'm a man. He's recognizing himself in recognizing God. And it's something we all need to go through. His dominion, he says, is everlasting, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And that's an interesting way of saying that because, you know, in in post-enlightenment times that we live in, we, we think of faith and reason as two separate things, and we think somebody who reasons the way he did about this God whose kingdom is eternal— and who can do as he wills in any way, that doesn't sound like reason in our society today. It sounds like a faith statement, not a reason statement. Nebuchadnezzar said that it's only when his reason returned to him that he saw the truth. Before that, he saw his majesty and his own greatness and his own might and his own power. But his reason came back to him and he saw the truth. And I believe that that's exactly right. We're watching in our society today the, the absolute absence of reason. We're watching the, the perversion of reason because everything is based on how you feel. What do you feel like? Well, I feel like I'm, I'm not actually a man. I, I feel like I'm a woman. Therefore, I must be a woman. Um, no, you're not. It's obvious that you're not. It's not just obvious at a physical level, it's obvious also at a biological and chemical level, and you can't change that, no matter what you do. So here, the way to look at revival, actually, is when reason returns, and people begin to see things as they are. That's Paul's whole argument, actually, in Romans 1, about pagans who deny the existence of God or deny the existence of Yahweh, at least, and his, his kingship. And then he says, that's going to lead you in all these horrible directions. And that's what happened here with, with um, Nebuchadnezzar. He began to see himself as the be-all, end-all, and, and that, that everything he had, he got with his own power and his own might. Now, God's humbling this pagan king and bringing him back to himself. He's bringing him back to a place of reason. His reason returned, and he saw things as they really are, that God is eternal, and his kingdom endures. So he says, my counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. In other words, he said, after these seven years that I had to go through this nonsense, and I lost my mind, 
After my reason returned, my counselors and advisors sought after me, and my kingdom was restored to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the, uh, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, like I did, he is able to humble. So again, we see Daniel being able to do things that these magicians, enchanters, diviners, and Chaldeans are unable to do. So Daniel is proving himself to have superior wisdom, and Daniel says, I don't have superior wisdom. My God has superior wisdom, and then he imparts that and reveals that wisdom to me. Daniel's constantly giving credit where credit is due, and that's to God, to God alone, not to himself. And and so we get this situation now where the king has been humbled in such a way that he is now um, able to resume being king. God didn't utterly reject him. He gave him an opportunity to repent in the same way that in the time of Jonah, the people of uh, Babylon have the chance to repent and do. God's always seeking to humble us, not to make us weak, but in order that we might rise in the power of his strength, not in our own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.